This morning, I am really excited about Mother's Day. I recognize that for Mother's Day, it is an interesting blend of all kinds of emotions. Uh, there might be on one spectrum an excitement because you are a new mom or you're pregnant or you just love your mom or your grandparents or your grandma. And then there's the other extreme where maybe you've lost a mom or you've lost a grandmother or you've lost a significant woman in your life, or you're trying to have children and it's very difficult for you. And then there's something in every, in between all of that. And what we want to do this morning is we want to just hopefully provide a time to encourage you. That if you're a woman, we want you to walk out of this building today being encouraged that the Lord sees you, the Lord honors you, and the Lord loves you. And if God is doing that for you, then guess what? We as Vintage Church want to do that as well. And so this morning, we have a lot of exciting things planned. I'm going to invite our V Women Coordinator up, Christy Hagens, if you would welcome her for me. In just a moment, you're going to uh, hear from a panel of women that are kind of all over the motherhood spectrum. And I'm very excited about that. Then you're going to hear from our very own Christy Hagens. She is going to share a word of encouragement from, for you uh, from Psalm 1 this morning, and we'll pray for her in just a moment. And one of the other things that we're going to do this morning is we're going to offer a special time of prayer. And so the ladies that you're going to be hearing from on the panel, as well as Christy, in just a moment are going to be up front here. And, and here's what I want to encourage you. I know we don't do this often. I'm saying this now so you'll prepare yourself. But I have a feeling that there are some women here that just need some prayer. And I'm just encouraging you to prepare yourself to step out of your chair and come forward in a moment and have some women pray over you. To serve you, to love you, and to lift you up before the Lord. Okay, So that's what we've got going on this morning. Very excited about it. I want to take a moment before the panel and I just want to pray over Christy. I want to pray over Christy before she shares with you. But I also just want to pray over her because she is such a gift to Vintage Church. Do you agree? Not only, not only is Christy an encourager, she's a fantastic teacher. And anytime I have a question about counseling, mental health, people, she's the first person I go to. And so I'm just thankful for her. I'm thankful. Thank you for being a gift to Vintage Church, and thank you for allowing the Lord to use you. So if you would, just extend a hand out toward her. And as we pray, let's pray for her, and let's pray for the women who are about to come up and share with us. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much for this morning, God. We thank you for Mother's Day. God, we thank you that uh, Mother's Day is such an incredible day to celebrate moms and to celebrate women and at the same time, God, it can be a very difficult day. But God, even in the midst of the difficulty, God, we're thankful for you that you meet us there. That you see us, that you see us in our joy, and you see us in our weeping. And that you comfort us, and you love us, and you encourage us. And so I pray for every single woman here today, God, that you would uh, minister to their heart, minister to their soul. I pray that they would leave encouraged, that they would leave equipped, God, to, to care and mother 
in whatever environment you've called them to. God, I specifically pray for this panel of ladies who are about ready to come up and share with us, God, how you've used them and how you've worked in their lives. And in particular, God, I want to thank you for Christy Hagens. I'm just so thankful for her faithfulness, thankful that she models, Father, what it looks like to follow you, that she loves you, that she loves people, and that she takes the gifts that you've gifted her with and she uses them not for herself, but for the building up of your church. And so, Father, I pray for this time, God, that you would be in it and that you would be glorified in every single thing we do. We love you, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So good to be um, with all of you, and I'm just going to tell y'all, none of these women want to be up here. <laughs> they are here because I asked them, and as Miss Marie said, I trust that you prayed about this and the Lord told you to ask, because um, none of them want to be here. But they all have, I think, wisdom to offer. I think they all have something beautiful to, to extend to us today, and that's why they've been asked. They also represent different stages of motherhood, so I'm going to just briefly introduce each of them to you. So we have Miss Marie. I, I think some of you know I joke about this. She's literally in my text or in my phone as Sage Marie <laughs> because she is such a wise woman, and she's got a lot of life to show us that, but this is Miss Marie. And she is representing grandparents and great-grandparents, mothering of adult children. She just has a lot of life experience in motherhood. And next we have Miss Haley. Haley has three littles. So your kids are three and under, right? Three, three and unders. And we've got Miss Laura here. And Laura is in the process of becoming a foster mom. And she also has been a mother figure to many, to many. She's also what I would call an auntie to many. And I know from my experience, I'm extremely thankful for all the aunties in my life. Some can't be here today. I know they're watching, so thank you. And last but not least, we have Miss Zuellen. And Zuellen has teenagers and an elementary age girl. So... I'm hoping that between the four of them, we have a widespread of whatever stage you might find yourself in, something that they shared today will be a source of wisdom and encouragement for you. So we've got 12 minutes left. I'm sorry. I've used up three minutes of our time to talk. So, all right. What is one thing God has taught through mothering children to you? One thing. Okay. <laughs> Hi. Um... So the one thing God has taught me through mothering children, especially in this age, has been faith. Um, seeking him, praying over for them, and knowing that what you do right now, pray, put that seed, water that seed, that you will have faith that they will be women and men of God. 
that's the one thing, you know, that mostly, there's, a, there's more than one. Yeah. <laughs> but also, you know, compassion. This age right here is um, where they make lots of mistakes and we have to see them and have compassion for them, like how God has compassion for us uh, when we fall and, you know, try to lift them up and also have compassion for yourself as a mom, as a parent, because many times we correct in anger. Yeah. And then, you know, it's just kind of like we have to have compassion with ourselves as well. And just remember the compassion that God had for us to have it for them, that they will fall, but we are there. Yeah, so definitely one thing is hard to pick, right? Even at the capacity I'm at, I see that all the time. But the thing that stands out to me the most is that, you know, these kids, um, I think parents see this every day, that kids see and really, really see everything you do and how much it impacts them. Yeah. But I think outside of being an everyday parent, we don't always realize that that goes for us too. Um, but it's very true. You know, I have... I'll never forget one time my uh, goddaughter, she came up to me and I was going through this time where I wasn't necessarily as consistent in church as I should be and I had been and she tells me, um, why, isn't this important? Why aren't you here every week? <laughs> and it's like, I didn't know you realized that in depth that I wasn't here every week. And so that matters and every little thing that we do, they see and they're learning from. Yeah, so uh, I don't think it's on. Maybe. Good morning. Um, one thing that I've uh, learned through mothering, um, I came, I was working in juvenile corrections for eight years before I decided to stay home with my children. Um, and I thought I'd seen a lot of personalities. Um, but your children know how to push your buttons more than anyone else. And um, I really learned that I'm more selfish and less patient than than I can be. So um, the fruit of the spirit are, are things that are constantly growing and shaping and, and that we can really learn from our children. Absolutely. I would just second all of what you just said. So, all right, next question. What is a need that women in your stage of motherhood have that people may be surprised by? I'd like to share that. Um, I find that as your roles change, you know, you go from being single, then you get married, then you're a mother for some, and then all of a sudden you're a grandmother. So that role changes. I don't have the same authority over grandchildren as I do head over my children, or I thought I did. And how God honors each role that he puts me into. It was his idea, it was not mine. And I just wanted to share that the old ways are not always the best ways, ladies. So when you're grandparenting, or in my case, great-grandparenting, I have to step back and allow, because people are getting smarter, ways are getting smarter. I have to just give a quick example of what I prob both of my daughters probably should be dead because of the way I raised them. <laughs> this, is, this is not a lie. At eight days old, my pediatrician had me feeding them rice cereal. The next week, we added fruit. Okay, this baby's this big. 
then, God forbid, we put them on our, their stomach. And none of my children died because of being put on their stomach. And then we get, I gave them paragoric, which is an opioid, for tummy ache. When they had fever, we gave them aspirin. Ha, <sighs> ah, shock. <laughs> and rubbing whiskey on their gums for teething. <laughs> then we'd get in the car and lay them on the seat next to us if we drove because we didn't have seat belts. And it was just bizarre when you look back. So the old ways are not necessarily the best ways. <laughs> so I just give glory to God and God alone for taking care of my girls that I may become a great grandmother. <laughs> Um, how can the church help us in this stage I think just prayers (laughs) Um, teenage years um, it's new to me you know well 15 14 and 8 and you know she sees her older sister so she's a little teenager as well so prayers um, and you know just a text here and there, you got this, because, you know, this stage in, in their lives is very hard. They're discovering new things, and we just need to always have that prayer connection, pray for us, pray for our kids, and, you know, that have that faith that God will protect them, that God has it, and, you know, things will come. It's not the end of the world. We fall we get up, we fall, we get up. And you know, just that faith that they will be women and men of God. So right now, I've got nothing, but I promise you guys it will come. I will need the support. So find me or I will find you when that time comes and I'll be happy to share. All right, um, and then the last question. How can we, as your church family, pray for and support you, but also women in your stage of motherhood? I'll go ahead and start if my mic works. Um, so I would say, um, kind of answering the last question too, is community is something that you know is just so important for supporting uh, women and families in, in general. Um, Joining a V group, committing to a V group is, is really important. And I also really appreciate my formation group that can also say, hey, read this book with me. Or, you know, because some of those things are really hard to do on your own yeah. when you're also running around. Um, and also just, uh, I don't know, something that I've been working on lately is trying to figure out how to actually observe a Sabbath day mm-hmm. um, when you're, you know, constantly you know, when my role is, is right now staying home with my children, yeah. not that we stay home that much, but um, <laughs> is, is just, you know, finding the time to plan ahead enough to have a day where you can just, you know, rest in, in God's comfort. Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm in a similar stage. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, just pray that I am able to get certified. I really um, mm. feel that's where God's calling me to. Um, and as that comes, that I 
have the knowledge of, of when to say yes to a placement, when to say no, mm -hmm. and how to best support not only that child, but their families. I mean, kids are coming from families who really need help and support, mm -hmm. and often that's a big piece of what was lacking that put them there. So um, just pray that I have that capacity to be able to do that and mm -hmm. know the best way to. All right, well, look at that. We still have three minutes left. <laughs> no. I, I thank you all for your time. I thank you for your words. Um, I think it's easy for us to get caught up in the day-to-day -day of motherhood, right, uh, where we get so focused on all the tasks and how we feel because it's very stressful. It's very overwhelming. Um, there's a lot of demands on us, and I think you guys have all hit on the importance of remaining faithful, um, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus because none of us really know what we're doing. It's all trial and error. And then it's a lot of apologies when we get it wrong. And it's a lot of thankfulness when we have community to rely on. Um, and, we, and it's a lot of gratitude to recognize his faithfulness to us, right? Com com uh, consistently re restoring us, right? So would y'all, wait, were you gonna say something? Yeah, I just forgot to answer the last one. Yes, yes. <laughs> now, I just wanted, um, I do need prayer to continue in the role that I'm exploring as, as great-grandma. And to be there for my kids and my grandkids and greats. Mm -hmm. And every one of them, it just gets better and better and better as it goes on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love my daughters. I love more of my grandkids, and I love more and more and more the greats, you know, it, it's just such a joy in my heart. And that is, I have some input in sharing Jesus in their lives and helping to encourage that. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of kids don't even know who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. My babies know Jesus, you know, mm -hmm. and they, no, they have not accepted Jesus yet because they're very young, one did. And, mm -hmm. It's just so, it's so much fun with them and exploring and everything's new and it helps keep me younger and exhausted. You know? <laughs> but I, I pray that as you transition from role to role, mm. that you know God's got this. Mm. He's, he knows each role and what we're supposed to do. So mm. I wanna be a support for my babies. That's mm. good. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you each of you for being brave and doing this. Thank you for taking the time to look through the questions and answer. Would y'all give it up for our panelists today? Thank you.
Well, good morning again, and happy Mother's Day. I recognize, very similar to what Pastor Dustin has already said, that today can be a complicated day for many people for many reasons. And, you know, all of, all of your feelings, all of your thoughts, it's all welcome here today. The Lord will receive you just as you are with all of the complications that you carry in your heart today. So I just wanted to say that out loud and give you permission if you needed permission to feel whatever way you are today. All right. So we don't have a lot of time together, so I might be moving kind of quick. So I hope hope I can be uh, sufficient and quick in what I say so that I'm not taking up more time than I need to. But we are talking about Psalm 1 today. And some people may be asking, what does Psalm 1 have to do with women and mothers? And I would like to say it has a whole lot to do with women and mothers. The very first time I really paid attention to what Psalm 1 said, I was in Uganda, Africa. Some of you may know or may not know, I, I took a, I've been to seminary, I got my degree there, but I took a semester off and I spent it in Uganda, Africa, living amongst the tribe. And, and one of the things that I did, I basically did whatever they told me to do, but one of the things that I got to do was help with children's ministry. And there was a friend there named Alex who was teaching the kids scripture by memory. And one of the passages of scripture he taught them was Psalm 1. And it was really the first time I'd ever heard someone talk about the importance of Psalm 1. And it stuck with me. So we're going to dive in and we're going to unpack why this is important for not only women, for all of us, but especially women and moms today. So let's read together. If you turn to your Bibles, it'll be Psalm 1. Psalms is kind of sort of in the middle in the Old Testament. So here we go. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So I'll just give a brief introduction of this particular psalm. It's built sort of like a poem, and there's a very clear distinction. This way is the way that righteous people live. This way is the way that wicked people live, right? There's no complicating it. It's really clear. This way or this way, this way or this way, over and over and over again in, throughout these six verses. So let's, let's unpack this. So verses 1 and 2, our first point is walking with God will bless you. Now, before I go any further, let me, let me say a word about blessing. I feel like the word blessing gets thrown around a whole lot these days, right? We say bless you even after you sneeze, right? So <laughs> sometimes our definition of what blessing is uh, may not actually be accurate of what the definition of the scriptures say. So I just want you to maybe hold on to that. We're going to unpack that a little more, but let me, I'll just, I, want, I don't want you to miss that, okay? So walking with God will bless you. What does this mean? Well, your life's going to look different 
Your life is going to look different from the world, different from those around you, if you are walking a righteous life and walking in the way that God has called you to. When we talk about walking in step with the wicked, right, this verse 1, so a blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. This means you're not trusting what the world feeds you as wisdom. You're not looking like those who don't walk with God. Your life looks different. Standing in the way that sinners take means taking a stand and enduring in the manner like those outside of God. What does this mean? So we're not, those of us who walk in accordance to God's will, we're going to take a stand on things that God would say, yes, ma'am, that's what I'm about. We're not going to stake our lives or stake our purpose in things that the world feeds us and says, that's a good thing. No, not if it's not in accordance with God's word, it's not. And then sitting in the seat of scoffers, I remember hearing, I'm like, what does sitting in the seat of scoffers mean? Well, it means to abide or dwell in the dwelling place or the company of those who arrogantly mock. I'll say that again. Sitting in the seat of scoffers means abiding or dwelling in the dwelling place or the company of those who arrogantly mock. We are not to be those who mock. We are not to be those who are arrogant. We are to be those who are humble. We are to be those who walk in accordance to what God says, not what the world says. And, and when, I, when I see this, I cannot help but think about Twitter. <laughs> I cannot help but think about social media and the, the social media wars that we see just break out over the dumbest stuff. And we're ruining our witness. We're, we're not looking like a blessed person because we're getting caught up in being really ugly to each other. Really mean to each other. Being arrogant about our position. Being arrogant about our conviction. Being arrogant about what the word says, which is really ironic, is it not? So not only will we be blessed because we're not walking in these ways, we will also be blessed because we delight in the word of God and we understand the value that it adds to our life because we're meditating on it day and night, day and night. So what does that mean to meditate on God's word? Well, you're consuming it. You're interacting with it. I've heard one author say it's almost like you're consuming it and you're digesting it and you're letting it sit on your stomach. And some word is much easier to digest than others, right? There are some things in scripture that really make us go, what? And it's not because we don't fully understand it. Like it just doesn't sit well with us because we're like, God, are, you're a good God. Are you sure? Are you sure that's what this means? Because the mercy in you might say otherwise. I've seen, I saw Jackie Hill Perry talk about this where she, she prayed for women who have the gift of mercy because sometimes it's really easy to get so caught up in the mercy that you experience for other people that you forget that there is a holy standard in this scripture and you may want to compromise 
on what scripture says because you love the person in front of you so much. And we're not going to get into specifics because I only got 11 minutes left. So, but I think each of you probably had people come to mind when I just said that. God's word is life-giving to you and you understand the value that it adds to your life. If we're just sitting down and just reading a little bit and it's just going in one ear and out the other and there's no heart transformation, there's no life transformation, then we're really not understanding how it's life-giving. And it will be bitter and it will stay bitter to our stomach. But when we recognize, Lord, this is hard to digest, but I trust that you're a good God. I trust that this word adds value and purpose to my life then eventually it goes from being sour and it becomes sweet in a good way because it adds to our life. You will also recognize that you need this instruction. You need God's counsel and instruction for your life. You just heard all five of us sitting up here saying, a lot of times we don't know what we're doing when it comes to motherhood. If you couldn't see, when Nora's older, she's going to probably kill me because it's just easy to use a lot of examples of her life right now. But if you could see me over here during the first two songs this morning, you would have seen me saying, if you don't be quiet, I am going to get you. Because what my child was doing was, my stomach, my stomach hurts. I'm so hungry, mom. And Yeah, people are laughing because y'all know your kid does this sometimes. You're like, really? It's that... You are so dramatic. (laughs) Your stomach does not hurt. You do not know real hunger. But, you know, her prefrontal cortex is not fully developed, so I can't say that to her. But anyway, I I stepped outside and said, sweet Josh, please take over here. So sweet Josh took over. So everybody give a shout out for sweet Josh. Woo-woo. But We need the instruction of God's word. We need his wisdom because the wisdom that we have, it's our own and it can't be trusted all the time. Our hearts deceive us. That's what 1 John tells us. So we need this word. The second point is walking with God will provide flourishment in your life. We've been talking a lot about flourishment over the past several weeks And I think it's really easy to define flourishment by what we see in front of us rather than what we see according to here, right? Again, we may look at people living ungodly lives, and they may look like they they flourishing. They got money in their bank account. They don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. They got nice cars. They got their kids in really nice schools. They're flourishing by earthly standards, but not by the Lord's standards. So you're going to see evidence of God's work in your life when you are walking with God, when you are trusting his word and you meditate on it day and night because it changes you and it changes the way that you look at things too. You will recognize what real flourishment is versus what the world offers you as flourishment. In order to flourish, you have to stay connected to some sort of source, right? 
in Psalm, it says the blessed man, a righteous man, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and all that he does prospers. So what is the source? What's your source? Well, we're saying the source is God. So my sister is a collector of plants. She has a plant room, and it's really beautiful, and it's very calming, and I wish I could go to it every day. But she has a particular plant named Juanita. And Juanita, there she is. I told my sister, Juanita's making her debut today. So Juanita is a little bit dramatic, kind of like Nora. So (laughs) when Juanita gets thirsty, when she's all dried up, when she hasn't had the source to provide her nourishment, she faints. As you can see, she's fainting. But watch what happens when she gets a taste of the source. Isn't that amazing? Aren't we thankful for Juanita and what she taught us today? (laughs) Juanita has reminded us we're no different from her. How many times in life we don't get our way? We feel discouraged. We feel anxious. We feel depressed. We have no idea what is happening in our lives. And we, on our inner part, start to faint. We get weary in doing good, right? We get weary in trusting that the Lord will do what he said he will do and he will uphold his word and his promise, right? Connect back to the source, even if you don't feel like it. Connect back to your source. Is your source God and his word? Because the wicked will not connect to God as their source. And they will remain like Juanita before she got the source. If Juanita did not get her water, she would continue to faint. Her leaves would start to shrivel up, and she would eventually die and perish. The wicked are blown away like chaff in the wind. When wheat harvesters are harvesting, they take all the good, and then what's left? They, blow, they throw up what's left, And the parts that you can't use, that's the chaff, it gets blown away. That's what God's word says, that the the wickedness are like the chaff blown in the wind. All right, point number three. So walking with God will bring both present and eternal life. Let's look back at verse six. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. I said it at the beginning, and I'll say it now again. There's a very clear distinction between where the paths of righteousness lead and where the paths of wickedness lead. We need that clear distinction because sometimes when we're looking around us, wickedness and righteousness may not always look so distinctly different. Sometimes you're just relying on that discernment inside. 
But how will you discern if you do not hide the word of God in your heart? How will you discern if you're not meditating on it day and night? Right? So the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor will sinners in the assembly of the righteous. But the righteous will walk in the path known by God, and they will journey with God now and into eternity. What does this mean? God sees you. God hears you. God journeys with you. You are not left alone, even when you feel it. And I know we say these things, we say them really flippantly, but is that actually making, is it actually getting down into your core? Do you actually walk as if you believe that God is with you right now, among your journey here, and then into eternity? And I know I've moved really quick, but I want to take a little bit of time just to apply. Okay, if this is what God's word says, then what is, how, how do we use this today? What does this look like today? So, What is the counsel of the wicked and the way of sinners and the seed of mockers that we are faced with daily? Okay, well, y'all hold on. So it could be trusting divination, witchcraft. It could be trusting tarot cards. It could be trusting sort of that mysticism to improve your health or improve your love life or get questions to the answers you have about your future. It could be using sex or sensuality to get attention and love or intimacy outside of God's order. It can look like using substances to numb your pain and numb your mind in an attempt to help you forget your troubles and your trauma. I deal with this every day. It can be slander or gossip in order to esteem yourself in order to feel better about yourself. Comparing yourself to other people, other women. Uh, Comparing yourself to other moms. Longing for what they have. Longing for the life that they live. And it can be living out an image or a life that looks real, but it's not really representative of what's inside your heart. You're all about an image that you portray. The enemy would, would have you believe that instances like this are, are wise, that you can seek wisdom through these, through these ways. But God says no. So if God says no, then how do we live as righteous women? How do you live a righteous life? Well, that's also really clear. By delighting in God's word. Again, remember I said it's not just that you can't just fake delight. You read something in God's word and it doesn't sit well with you. Ask God, tell me, help me, because you're a good God. And what I just read is really hard to consume. I don't like that. He can handle that because he's good. So do, do you meditate on God's word? Again, what does that mean? Well, you're kind of, you're ruminating on it. You're letting it saturate your mind. You're sitting with it. You're wrestling with it. And then don't get your counsel from people who you know will give you the answers you want to hear. You know you'd be doing that sometimes. 
Get your counsel from people who will tell you the hard thing because they love God and they love you. People who will tell you what you want to hear, they're just people pleasing because they don't want you to be mad at them. But somebody who really loves you will risk you getting mad at them because they love your soul better than they love your acceptance and your approval. So trust in the Lord, trust in his word, and trust in his people. That's how we live righteous lives. So every season that you walk in, you will be faced with two choices. Well, probably more than two choices, but two paths. You will have the righteous path, and you will have a wicked path. Now hear me say right now, if you're currently on a wicked path, guess what? You know it. You feel the suffering. You feel the pulling. You feel the weariness and, and the dread and the shame. But Jesus says, I'm right here. You can come back. You can turn around. And I'm here. And he will receive you. No questions asked. He'll receive you back with love and grace. And now if you're walking the righteous path, you might be feeling tired. You might be feeling weary, confused. God, are you there? It doesn't feel like it sometimes. God, I'm lonely. This is hard. Do not grow weary in doing good. You are connected to the source. And even if you feel like you're in a season of drought, you're still connected to the source. And in due season, you will reap. You will prosper. Everything that you touch prospers. 